0: Seattle's Morning News. As the fallout from the Supreme Court leak continues to fuel the debate about abortion, it's worth noting that Washington voters have twice approved pro choice ballot measures in the past, including a few years before Roe v. Wade and then again in 1991. Our resident historian, Felix Spinell, joins us with a look at the history of abortion law and politics in the Evergreen State, and he's brought to us by Lake Washington Windows and Doors. Good morning, Felix. Morning, Dave. Yeah, I was pretty ignorant
1: about the history of this issue here in Washington, so I thought it would be useful to look at the record, speak with some of the people who were involved with the legislation and politics. There's essentially five eras of laws addressing abortion in Washington. The first would be before 1909. Now, as far as I can tell, there's nothing on the books about abortion before that year in Washington State, Washington Territory, or when we were part of Oregon Territory from 1848 to 1853. So the second era begins in 1909 when a state law was passed, and it said that any person performing an abortion or any woman having an abortion, could go to prison for up to five years or pay a fine of up to $1,000, which is about $30,000 adjusted for inflation. Exceptions could be made if the life of the woman or child was at stake. Now, Karen Cooper was head of Washington NARAL, the National Abortion Rights Action League, for many years, and she was involved with Initiative 120 31 years ago, which we'll talk about more in a moment. Karen Cooper says that in that post-1909 era, abortions were taking place in Washington. We had well-qualified doctors that performed performed illegal safe abortions so there was a network of people who gave abortions if you knew where to go that was safe but then there were the back alley abortions and in 1967 California passed an abortion reform law and that spurred debate here in Washington old newspaper clippings from like 1968 1969 you see a lot of expert opinions big policy discussions and moral arguments about what should be done in this state so in 1970 the Washington State Legislature passed its own abortion reform law, which was sent to the voters as Referendum 20 in November of that year. Now, Dan Evans is a good friend of the show. He was in the second of his three terms as governor in 1970. Evans, who later served in the U.S. Senate, is a Republican, and he's pro-choice. That's not uncommon in Washington, or at least it wasn't 50 years ago. He told me that the 1970 legislation had Democratic and Republican support.
2: As I remember, the vote, I don't believe, it was even too close. It was a bipartisan effort and uh, carried through and we've pretty much since had the same sense of uh, you know this is a matter between a woman and her conscience and her doctor and that's uh, that's the way it's been and I think it will stay that way in this state at least.
1: So on the ballot, Referendum 20, passed by a fairly wide margin of 56% to 44%, carried a total of 23 of 39 counties, including on both sides of the Cascades. Now, this was the beginning of the third and shortest era in Washington around abortion law. What the 1970 law did was legalize abortion up to four months after conception, using the concept of quickening. There were a few restrictions. A woman had to have lived in Washington for 90 days and had to have consent from her husband. There was also what they call the conscience clause, where hospitals and doctors weren't required to perform what was described in the law as termination of pregnancy. Now, this may have been considered a progressive step by some compared to 1909, but it wasn't entirely modern. This is constitutional scholar and retired University of Washington law professor Stuart Jay explaining the concept of quickening behind that 1970 law.
3: The right of abortion ended when uh, quickening occurred, which meant when the mother could detect the movement of the fetus. Um, and that is a, essentially a, a religious definition of when life begins, because that was the, the old position of the Catholic Church back in the Middle Ages, uh, that, and indeed it was the common law position uh, until the, the 19th century when statutes began to change uh, abortion law. Uh, At common law, uh, abortion was not illegal uh, until the time when the woman could feel the fetus move.
1: As I mentioned, the referendum 20 era was the shortest of the five. Uh, When Roe v. Wade was handed down in 1973, that 1970 Washington law stayed on the books, but Stuart J. says it became unenforceable. So then you get to the late 1980s. That's when the U.S. Supreme Court heard a case from Missouri called Webster versus Reproductive Health Services. Its provisions restricted the use of public resources um, for abortions. They were found to be constitutional. But the case did not go so far as to overturn Roe v. Wade. However, it was perceived as coming pretty close, and that inspired Planned Parenthood and other groups here in Washington to seek to codify Roe v. Wade into state law. So the next era of abortion law in Washington began in November 1991. That's when Initiative 120 was on the ballot. Constitutional scholar Stuart Jay knows a lot about Initiative, Initiative 120 because he wrote it. Now, this is a fairly long cut, but I think it's worth hearing Stuart Jay describe the spirit and intent of that 1991 initiative.
3: The people of Washington find uh, that individuals possess a fundamental right uh, of privacy with respect to their personal reproductive uh, decisions, and and the the initiative spells it out that that, that every person has a right to uh, choose or refuse birth control, to choose or refuse to have uh, an abortion uh, within essentially the limits of of Roe versus Wade, that is until the viability of the fetus or to protect the life or health of, of, of the mother. And, and so that's a codification of Roe, and it also says specifically that the state that it would be through, say, administrative regulations can't do anything that would burden the woman's right to have an abortion. And by burden, it means essentially imposing uh, any kind of, um, of onus on them that was not, strictly speaking, medically necessary uh, to protect her health uh, to make the process a, a safer process. That then uh, is the heart of the initiative it then goes on to provide that if the state offers any kind of funding to women for maternity care, such as labor and delivery, uh, maybe through our Medicaid program, they also have to offer uh, uh, comparable abortion services. So the woman's uh, choice will not be coerced by the availability or lack of availability of funds.
1: And Stuart J told me that the I-120 effort was bipartisan with several Republicans involved in the drafting of the initiative and in supported the campaign, at least in the Puget Sound area. So when the vote came, I-120 passed only by about 4,000 votes among 1.5 million cast, winning in just eight of 39 counties. And whether you supported it or not, the people of Washington did what Congress has never been able to do, which was to codify Roe v. Wade. Now, looking ahead, Stuart J. says it's not likely that a Republican majority in the Senate and House could pass a federal law that would override the state law here in Washington from I-120. Karen Cooper says short of that, there won't be much effect in the evergreen state. Washington, nothing's going to change because we codify Roe. 30 years ago, the only change will be, you know, we've been closing abortion clinics because the rate of abortions will be going down the last few years. And so we'll be opening up. And so we'll be bringing women in from other states to have abortions in Washington. And one more prediction Karen Cooper made was also echoed by Dan Evans.
2: I think ultimately the whole issue is not going to be decided by whatever the court decides. It's going to be decided by what people themselves decide and uh uh, and i think that as new methods of abortion are uh, are created it will make it more and more difficult for any governmental agency or everybody in government to uh, affect it yeah and those new methods
1: are the morning after pills and other sort of medical uh, Mm -hmm. abortion methods that don't require being you know seen to by a doctor so Interesting history here in Washington, where we sort of it wasn't as divisive among the parties as it can be in other parts of the country, and as it seems like it is now. And there was Republicans like Dan Evans who, you know, had a, re, a yeah. pro-choice views.
0: And no indication that there are Republicans in this state, because I mean, we've been told there might be a Republican campaign state by state to uh, to uh, reimpose restrictions. Because I mean, we've been protected by initiatives, but initiatives can be undone. You've not heard of any campaign like that here, though.
1: Not yet, and it doesn't seem like the Republican Party in Washington has been as divisive and as inspired by sort of the Trump era as it has in other parts of the country. There's Mm -hmm. still sort of this Washington-only brand of kind of, I don't know, was it pragmatism, practicality, kind of getting things done because we're so far from where the Constitution is in Washington, D.C. We're out on our own kind of doing what we think needs to be done, and that's why I love Washington so much. It's kind of bizarre and hard to predict, but there's always just this sense of sort of bucking the national trend just to do to what people think needs to be done. So that, that's pretty cool for this state, I think.
0: Historian Felix Bunnell, all his features at MyNorthwest.com. Thanks, Felix. Thanks, Dave. It is 624.